Welcome to the Green Up Possibilities podcast, empowering you with information about what is possible, improbable, and nearly impossible with money. Brought to you by Green Up Wealth Management. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Aaron Kirsch, Chief Client Advocacy Officer at Green Up Wealth Management. This month is October, and October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And today we're going to talk about cybersecurity and five steps you can take to stay safe online. We know that the internet is very convenient. We do our banking, our shopping, our communicating with friends and family on the internet. We listen to the Green Up Possibilities podcast on the internet, watch movies, TV shows, and there's apps for just about everything. We live in an increasingly connected world, but when you're using your smartphone or computer, there are certainly steps you can take to stay safe. Our special guest on this podcast is Jeremy Hamblin, Vice President of Business Development at Visory. Welcome, Jeremy. Aaron, thanks for having me. Excited to be on the the podcast today with you. Yeah, so I'm with Visory, and Visory for over 20 years now, since we've launched and 2002 has been the premier provider of cybersecurity and IT management for the wealth management industry, and in particular, the RIA industry. So we're very vast and knowledgeable within the industry that we serve, which is clients just like you over at Green Up Wealth Management. So again, Aaron, excited to be here. Looking forward to today's conversation. Glad to have you, Jeremy. And for full disclosure, Visory is the company that we at Greenup Wealth Management trust to keep our computer system safe and to protect our clients' personal information. So let's get into it, Jeremy. When we drive, we wear seatbelts. We look both ways before we cross the street. We wash our hands before we eat. So what precautions can we take to be safe when using the internet? Let's talk about the five steps to stay safe online. Jeremy, what's step number one? Yeah, so as you mentioned, right, washing your hands before you you sit down for a meal or look both ways before you cross the street, right? Having good practices within cyber hygiene or information security hygiene is paramount. And really the first step that I would look for to really serve the, the purpose here, is, you know, especially for us, right, advisory, we're, we're serving clients like, just just like you agree up, right? So we're putting the permissions and controls in place, right? That first line of defense to bring that data integrity or data security and bring those controls that make sense to hedge against that risk of any bad actor coming in. But the last line of defense is are the humans, right? Those that view emails every day that that get emails or links or pop-ups, right? It's it's that security awareness from the, the, the person himself or herself that can understand that. And really that comes down to, to social engineering. And I'm sure we've all encountered, right? An intriguing email or a pop-up when, when browsing the web, right? And really social engineering is, the definition of it is taking advantage of human behaviors and natural tendencies, right? It exploits some human psychology to, to manipulate people. So understanding and just being aware of an email that comes through, for example, that may look like from your banking institution to change your password for security reasons, to understand reviewing that email, hovering over that link before you click on any link, that's going to be paramount to keeping your information and your personal information safe from any strangers or any bad actors. 
out there in the in the cyber web. So it really is that last line of defense, which is you as the person and having that security awareness to avoid such attacks, you know, like social engineering. There's really three primary social engineering attacks. Right? I know we'll get to these a little bit later, but first one is phishing. I think we're all somewhat familiar with with phishing, right, through emails and text messages now as well. Baiting, which is getting a fake offer or a, a gift card offer. We've all probably seen that too. Hey, click on this or submit this and be up for an award to win a $1,000 gift card. Um, and then also scareware, which are false alerts of viruses, you know, that come across your computer and then something will pop up of a need to download a tool to fix it, right? Thus giving that bad actor the ability to download malware on, on your devices and, uh, and move forward in a malicious way. So that, that's the first step, Aaron, is, is just you as the person understanding and being aware from a security standpoint and uh, being vigilant. Right, Jeremy. So you, you touched on being knowledgeable, being aware of what's out there. And then you also just touched on being vigilant. What other ways can people who use smartphones and computers be vigilant? Avoid opening emails, attachments, or clicking on domain links from a source that is unknown, right? Of ensuring that the email source is, is, is known, meaning you under, you've got an email before, or if it's coming from, from a bank, that email is matching up to the domain that it normally comes from. But also just avoid sharing personal information to any stranger on the internet via text or phone, right? Thoroughly verifying them before introducing any personal identifiable information to anyone. But just be careful of, of tempting offers. I know we'll get into this. There's, there's a few tactics, right? Using two-factor or multi-factor authentication as well to, to really hedge against, against that risk. Yeah, let's get into multi-factor authentication. So there's passwords. We're all familiar with passwords. We're all annoyed by passwords. But the new thing for security is using multi-factor authentication. Jeremy, can you tell us what that is and why it's important? Yeah, this is highly recommended. Anytime you're, you're able to, to use two-factor authentication. What this does is for any login attempt, for example, again, I'm going to go back to the banking institution of you're using your app on your phone and you're logging in, right? You're, you're putting in your credentials. What the two factor does is it, is it sends, there's really multiple ways. It sends codes, whether to, uh, to you via text message, it'll an option to call you and verify you, or it has the option for you to call and verify yourself over the phone to get a code to then have that, the, the ability to actually log in and then view the statements that you have and that sensitive information. But what multi-factor authentication really does in terms of peace of mind for, for any individuals is if there's an attempt and you get the code to your text or you get a phone call or a prompt to call, it lets you know that someone is trying to access who is unauthorized to access that, right? So that layer of protection is, again, paramount to the security for any individual and just being that the awareness there and, and having that tactical first line of defense with the two-factor authentication, it's highly recommended. All right. So it, it might mean 
your experience online is a little bit less convenient, but it also means your experience online is a lot safer. Aaron, I'm, I'm glad you said that. that. That should be the theme almost today is convenience versus security. And, and yes, you're giving up slight convenience with it, but in the long run and, and really in the big picture, you're, you're adding that layer of security, right, to, to protect yourself against that risk. So if you're able to do that with, with any provider for the multi-factor authentication, do it. Jeremy, it's a lot more inconvenient to have your personal information stolen and your bank accounts hacked. So maybe it is worth spending a few extra seconds before you get to the website you want to get to and use that multi-factor authentication. Let's talk about the next step, which is protecting your devices. Jeremy, what are steps that people should take not only to be knowledgeable about the threats out there, be vigilant with strong passwords and using multi-factor authentication, but also protecting the physical devices that you use to access the internet. Aaron, one simple way to do this for any user out there is to download an antivirus software to the computer, right? It's easily downloadable, but it's also the ability to have a browser extension, right? So while you are surfing the web on your device, it checks the validity of a website simply, right? By giving a green check mark or a red check mark. So it gives you reasons to pause before clicking on a link or going to a certain website for that, that risk of any, any malware or virus to be downloaded. But what it also does is identify some suspicious activity on your device that could lead to a virus. So having this tactical approach and this simple measure here could save headaches for for the user uh, in the future while surfing the web on the device. What other things, Jeremy, can we do to prevent headaches when using our devices? If and we've all been there, right? Traveling or working on the road or just going to a coffee shop to work for the day to get out, you know, we're all work from home now or, or work from wherever and in, in our current environment. So going to a public or a free Wi-Fi connection or the ability to, to go to a coffee shop and connect to a public open uh, Wi-Fi connection, you know, you have to understand, and this is where the security awareness comes into play of some of the vulnerabilities there and, and going on that open network and having that data going to across that network and the vulnerability from a bad actor to be able to to view that right or even take some of that data is a risk so what we recommend is you know if you're able to 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 use a vpn right a virtual private network this allows you to encrypt your data from your computer or on your phone if you're using your phone of course while you're on that that public that wi-fi network meeting public right there's no, no need for a password. It's not encrypted. It's not, it's not locked, if you will, from other individuals to use that, that network. So it creates a tunnel between your device and the public internet so bad actors cannot see your data while you're working from a coffee shop or working from any other public airport as well, right? Same thing of any public Wi-Fi access. Another measure one can take, especially at an airport, and I'm there often when I travel, and I'm on my, my laptop uh, doing some work before I board my flight. So I'll use my hotspot on my phone. That ensures encryption. And that also ensures 
you know, the, the data from, from my browser search and my working on my computer on that, there's not, not a public network anymore for bad actors, right? To see that or view that or, you know, protecting yourself from them in that regard. So just a few simple ways, some tactical best practices there to, to secure your personal information and your data while you're on an open network. Jeremy, you mentioned antivirus software, being careful of free public Wi-Fi connections by using a virtual private network VPN or a hotspot on your phone. What about operating system updates? I'm always annoyed when my my computer or my smartphone has to do an operating system update because it takes time and it seems to happen all the time. But why is that important? Yeah, again, this this goes back to the conveniency versus security. You know, best practice here is is anytime there is a latest version of a, of the operating system that you're working on for an upgrade, do it. But do it with with vigilance, right? Of of ensuring that the the source of the upgrade that it's coming from is legitimate, right? So again, hover over the domain, make sure the the link that you're going to click on is is real right and truly authenticated for example there's no numbers in between like the website so it may be a microsoft update no make sure it's microsoft.com and not micro one soft.com those are some 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 best practices there for when you're going into an upgrade to make sure okay this is going to be a correct upgrade and, and no virus will be installed on my device Jeremy, the next step for staying safe online is to verify. And we touched on some of these things uh, earlier, but can you tell us a little bit more about how to verify that you are dealing with who you think you're dealing with? Yeah, so I have a great example of this recently for, for, for my own anecdotal use case. I was recently working with my insurance company, my, my, my auto insurance company. I was in an accident about three months ago and I get a call about two two weeks ago, right? So it's kind of sometime after the accident occurred and of course the claims are submitted. And and he wanted to to take a recorded statement from me, right? Of you know the story, right? What happened, how it happened, um, et cetera. And for me, I you know, first thing that came to my mind is hmm, th- this seems a little a little strange, right? I'm getting a call out of out of the blue. It came two and a half months after the occurrence and he or she really, ha- or he rather hasn't verified himself. So I, I pulled up just my car insurance app on my phone and I had everything that I needed there to verify him. Okay. Verify that you know my address, right? Or my account number for my insurance. Verify that you know the car that was in the accident or the car that is insured. Right, what's the full legal name on that insurance? Right, so I was able to go through and verify it. Just like hopefully you'd be verified, you know, when you're when you're calling in or or calling into your bank, right, wanting to make a transfer or a wire transfer. They're going to go through these same procedures with you. It's good to have that best practice in mind when you're getting a phone call from out of the blue, even though it it was correct, right? It, might, it was in my auto insurance, and at the end of the day, it you know all went well, and we went ahead along with the statement. But for me, it was important that I verify this individual to ensure that it was someone from my auto insurance company. Jeremy, how do cyber criminals manipulate caller ID and email from lines to make you think they're legitimate? 
Yeah. So bad actors have become more and more sophisticated, right? And mature. And they can pose as your your bank or someone that you know and trust. You know, the best way, if you're getting a, a text message and it's from someone that hasn't texted you in a while or not even that, it, it's it's coming as a fraud alert. Hey, there's activity on your account that we're that may, you may not be aware of, right? That fraud payment alert via text message. And it's going to ask you to verify, did you do this? One, yes, or two, no, right? Before you answer that, because the bad act, well, what that could happen there is a phone call. Once you answer one or two, right? Yes or no, that'll prompt a phone call potentially from the bad actor. And they will go in there and ask you some personal identifiable information, right? Username, verifying that. And they'll want to maybe change your password over the phone. So the best way to avoid that is if you get a text message like that, some something out of the blue, call your bank. Be the one to take that step, right? And verify this. Hey, did this come from the correct source? Very, very rarely do you want to be the one to be approached or for them to be in control of the situation. I always take ownership of it and call first or you know, be the one that's going to be in control of that situation. Jeremy, the last step for staying safe online is to protect your personal information. Can you give us some tips on how to protect your personal information from bad actors? Yeah, this is a, this is a great one here, Aaron. And one of the tactics here that, that I've seen that I also use myself here is, especially when you're utilizing, let's call it credit card information, right? Or other personal identifiable information. It's good to have maybe another email address, a second one for those, those the banking accounts, the, the financial portfolios, right, that you're logging into or the other sensitive areas that you're going to log in and get access to, to view accounts and, and view the highly sensitive information, right? Because that's going to help avoid the frequency or the, the ability for a phishing attempt to go unnoticed, right? And to, to click on it and to go into that email without thinking twice. This will help you think twice, right? Because you only have a few accounts that are linked to that email address. So getting an email is going to be a little higher priority into that, that second or our secondary email. So you're going to be a little more vigilant there. So that helps you keep that information stored on some of those browsers safer and the ability there to avoid some of those some of those phishing emails. But it's not just email anymore. It includes those text messages, voicemail, et cetera. So again, just being aware of getting those attempts on you and not sharing any personal information to any stranger and just verifying him or her, but also verifying the email and the and the link that you're going to click into for that domain is correct and authenticated. You know, before you, you go in there and share your email address, your phone number, your address, any of that could be, you know, we all leave a digital footprint or, or digital signature, right? When we're, as you mentioned, we're the, the world's smaller, right? Because we're so connected now. So putting those best practices in place, I think would be a, a good, a, a pretty positive one going forward. That's the machine of high trust, right? Is, is, is maybe terminology there between having that second email address, but also some individuals even have a second device 
that they use to to go into those more sensitive websites to access that sensitive data uh, or those accounts that they're looking at. So some some good tactics and best practices there, Aaron. That's great advice, Jeremy. And when you think about it, most of these companies or individuals who are asking for your personal information, if they're really who they say they are, they probably already have it already, right? A bank's not going to ask you what your address is or what your phone number is. They should already have that. That's right. And back to my example of, you know, the, the one unique to myself of the auto insurance, that's exactly what I did. I, I verified him by him telling me, I didn't say, hey, this is my address. Can you verify that? I, I, I asked, hey, can you verify my, my address? Can you verify the legal name on my account? Can you verify this and that? And if they are a, a true trusted source that's reaching out to you, they're going to have that information pulled up. And the, really the last line of defense there is even if you still feel a little uneasy after verifying that, hang up the phone and, and call that company back. So that now you're in control of it, right? You know, it, in fact, 100% that you're, that you're reaching out to the company, that you're speaking to someone that, that is, in fact, employed there. Great advice, Jeremy. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. The five steps, once again, to stay safe online are, one, be knowledgeable. Two, be vigilant. Three, protect your devices. Four, verify. And five, protect your personal information. Anything you want to add, Jeremy? Aaron, that, that, that sums it up well. I was excited to be on this, this podcast with you today. You know, October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And, and at the end of the day, that's how we can all improve ourselves in this connected world that we live in is, is truly being aware, right? And, and bringing that awareness of, of security and just that, that mindset when we're going about our daily daily life, right, with whatever we do is, is important. And I'm glad we're, we're shining a little bit of light on it today. Jeremy, it was a pleasure to have you on, and we thank you for your expertise and your time. So everyone, enjoy the internet, but be vigilant, be secure, be safe out there. For the entire team at Visory and at Greenup Wealth Management, I'm Aaron Kirsch. Thanks for listening. Greenup Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed are our own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk, and unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. 